the zoo out there So just be cool, don't speak too loud Try to fit in, but if you don't Then you can be in outfit everyone, and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello, Marissa. I have something to say to you. Just give us our potato chips. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, another piece of the Sam McGuire soundboard. I mean, he's back at it again. This is a great episode that we're going to talk about today because... Should I spoil my MVP <laughs> within, I mean, the, within the first minute of the podcast? There are no rules on yeah. the outfit repeaters. MVP to Gammy McGuire. I've given one to Nana already, but Gammy <laughs> McGuire gets today's MVP from me. And we can break down why later in the in the program, but it's no contest. It's a no contest Gammy McGuire win for me <laughs> this week. That does not surprise me, knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> There is a lot to dive into with this episode. Wait, before we get too deep in, I know people were curious because we mentioned that we were watching the OC last week, and I feel like it's been such an eventful week of watching the OC that where we were last week and where we are this week have no, like, it, it's two different shows, essentially. <laughs> where were we last week? I have no idea. Time blends together, to be honest. It was like Chrismica one episode, and then five episodes later, it was Chrismica again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> it was kind of true. We've just been watching a lot. Olivia Wilde has come and gone since we last checked in. We saw the messy queer rep that the OC brought to the table in 2004. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I have had champagne supernova stuck in my head for the last three to four days. Okay, the idea that that is the most iconic scene is wild to me because it's not even an original scene. Like, it's straight-up plagiarism from the Spider-Man movies. It makes no sense to me. But it's very cute, and it's very in character, and I, for one, loved it. And it was better in Spider-Man. Eh. You say, eh, you've never seen (laughs) Spider-Man. And this is gonna this is gonna shame you. You're gonna get shame from the internet for never having seen any of the Tobey Maguire Spider Men and any of the Andrew Garfield Spider Men and only one <laughs> of the Tom Holland Spider Men. You are a Spider Man. I don't know. You just neglect Spider Man. But I'm very into into the Spider Verse. That's the o- Miles Morales is the only Spider Man I acknowledge. Okay, but Miles Morales would not even exist had it not been for Tobey Maguire. You know, Maguire's just holding up, <laughs> <laughs> holding up the podcast left and right here. I also am really along for the ride. Uh, that is Julie Cooper Nickel because I Googled her character at one point and it told me and I did not, you know, pursue future spoilers, but it told me that her name is Julie Cooper Nickel Cooper Roberts Atwood. <laughs> <laughs> just like, 
Yeah, and we're at the Julie Cooper Nickel Cooper phase. <laughs> well, she's still Julie Cooper Nickel. Uh, Jimmy Cooper left for Hawaii, but I'm sure he'll be back. We think Ann Tate Donovan is going to be back. We do. <laughs> she has to become Julie Cooper Nickel Cooper again. So I mean, I thought the you don't think that was just referring to like the affair that they had. No, I or or it could be referring to um, her and Cal getting divorced. Potentially. Why would she go back to Cooper? Because her children's name is Cooper. And I do think Tate Donovan is coming back because of Marissa. Okay, but she hates one of her children, and I'm assuming the other child is dead. We never see her. She's at boarding school. She's at, since when? There was like a throwaway line that (laughs) baby Shailene Woodley is at boarding school. But yeah, a lot is going on. I thought that it was really interesting, A, to just even see like a bisexual character on a mainstream show like that in 2004. It was, you know, messy. And just the idea that like Olivia Wilde came in and like made Marissa a lesbian. And just like reading about how like sensational it was to do that at the time is just fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what what a ride it was. I'm so stupidly invested in Seth Cohen my neurotic Jewish hero. I believe you said, why are you doofy smiling as I was watching it at one point? And Seth Cohen is the answer. <laughs> it's a bad show, right? <laughs> I mean, it's an entertaining show. I am thoroughly enjoying it. But it's a bad show. It's your opinion. That, <laughs> that is my opinion. But you're enjoying the watch. You even said that Ben McKenzie has improved season I over do, season. I do think that Ben McKenzie has become a better actor in season two than he was in season one. That is correct. I think it was Lindsay. And that's what we totally, that's what's been happening in the last week. Cal also had an illegitimate daughter who came and went, who Ryan was dating. These shows just get so tangled in a web of like sort of incestuous but not really it's such a it's such a soap thing yeah it's bad (laughs) it's crazy it's like we have to like stick with this very like limited cast and then just make them all so interwoven to the point where like it gets a bit icky we're almost done with season two what's coming next who's to say okay here's a question why do those kids need to be in high school why is this a plot point they don't (laughs) Are you saying just let them be like 20, like messy 20 somethings? Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for that. I I almost forget that they're in high school because it's just so, it's such a stretch to believe. Like I can't dissociate the fact that they are all, they all look so old. Because they are. Because they are. And then they're just supposed to be like when Ryan and Marissa planned a bonfire. And I'm like, oh, right. You do go to school sometimes. You're right. Let them just be messy 20s because being in your 20s is a mess. Yeah, it's not like they're like literally 13, like Lizzie McGuire. Right. Okay. Want to jump in? Sure. Today we're going to be talking about episode 127, Gordo and the Dwarves. In this episode, Lizzie's grandmother sends her a game and Gordo becomes so obsessed with it that he starts neglecting his schoolwork. So Lizzie and Miranda think it's time to intervene before he gets into trouble. 
and this episode aired on November 16th, 2001. Yes. It was weird to me. (laughs) I always talk about what I find weird in these episodes, but this was essentially Bad Girl Maguire, except with Gordo as the character who, like, needed an intervention. Correct. (laughs) It was essentially the same plot. You're right. I didn't really make that connection, but you're totally right. Same A plot. Swap out a character. Instead of going bad, Gordo went down the dwarf hole. Yeah, and I have some real thoughts, real strong thoughts about the intervention video, about who took the video. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. There's a lot to say there. I do have a lot of thoughts about that part of the episode as well. About how Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda clearly don't understand what a curly fry is because what they showed Gordo were wavy fries and not curly fries. So, you know. Oh my God, the audacity. You have to get your fries correct. That's one of my pet peeves. It's true. Don't misattribute curly fries because they're great. Wavy fries suck. Too thick. Too thick. (laughs) Coney Island, get out of here. No one needs those fries. Gross. Gross. We don't need your root beer. (laughs) Yeah, so should we just jump in? Sure. Okay, let's do it. So the opening scene is Lizzie Gordo and Miranda entering the McGuire house, and they're having a conversation about um, supervillains and Gordo asking why do supervillains even want to take over the world because then they're just going to you know inherit all of these responsibilities yeah i think he's overthinking it if you're a supervillain and you take over the world you're gonna wipe out anything that's a problem to you yeah like you're not gonna then start to oh magically develop some empathy yeah exhibit a 2020 america (laughs) yeah but of course lizzie's take is that if she took over the world, she could pass a law making Ethan Craft worship her. That's just hyper-specific and not... Yes. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, maybe I would, you know, help starving people too. But Ethan Craft is job number one. Now you can go out with Ethan Craft. And Miranda is like, I don't know, you're thinking about this too much. And like, I don't even want to rule the world. And we find out that... She wants to be a singer on a cruise ship. Again, we've talked about Miranda's ambitions, about how she first wanted to be a backup singer. Now she wants to be a singer on a cruise ship. Like, she just wants to be a bad singer. It sounds (laughs) like. Like, why would you aspire to be a cruise ship singer? That's a terrible aspiration. Maybe it's like she wants to be doing something she loves, but still have her anonymity. (laughs) I don't know. So from there... They walk into the kitchen. Joe is in the kitchen, and she has a giant present for Lizzie from Gammy McGuire. Yeah, um, and again, Gammy McGuire's dementia comes back into play. It um, does. Except it, I guess her present giving has gotten a little bit, because apparently she only gives Matt coupons, but she gives Lizzie actual gifts. The gift brings into question how close Lizzie and Gammy McGuire are. It doesn't seem like Gammy McGuire knows much about Lizzie. I mean, we have to remember, it was Gammy McGuire who gave Lizzie the picture day sweater. It's true. So Gammy McGuire's history of gift giving has been bad. Not great. And that legacy continues today, but this is what inspires the entire episode. It is. And the gift is 
Dwarf Lord, The Conquest. And it's a board game that, I mean, it's basically a knockoff Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's hard to tell. It doesn't seem like it because Dungeons and Dragons is more like, see, it's hard. We don't know enough about this game to really make a connection. I think that's the connection that maybe the writers are trying to make. But in terms of like the way that the game is actually played, it's weird because when Lizzie Gordo and Miranda play it, it just seems kind of like a board game. But when Larry plays it, he seems kind of like the game master a la Dungeons and Dragons. So it's an inconsistent game and an inconsistent show. (laughs) Nothing has shocked me more. (laughs) So it's unclear how exactly one would play this game. And even when Gordo explains the rules, it becomes even more unclear. So Yeah, I couldn't even really follow the rules in my note taking at this point. Yeah. It became a like, what language are you speaking moment for me. And as someone who is, like, I've never played Dungeons & Dragons. I know it's a popular game, but I don't know how it works. And that's that was just, like, the connection that I made that I would think that they were going for for, like, the general population, too, right? If you had watched Stranger Things, you would know how to play Dungeons & Dra- Dungeons and wow. Dragons. See, I get ridiculed for not having watched this stuff. Stranger Things, Emmy-winning for <laughs> Emmy-winning program. Okay, I tried to watch it, and... It always just put me to sleep. But yeah, Lizzie's first instinct is to throw Dwarf Lord in the trash, but her mom doesn't let her. She says that she needs to play it at least one time, and if she doesn't like it, they will donate it to charity. And from there, Lizzie's like, okay, well, Miranda Gordo, I guess we're playing. And they both immediately make excuses for why they can't stay and play. Miranda says that she has to clean fish, whatever that means. And Gordo is going to go home and try to grow a mustache. How does that work, Sam? As a mustached man yourself. Yeah, I mean, you can't really control it. It kind of just happens when it happens. Gordo, one day you'll hit puberty and you'll know. (laughs) And Lizzie convinces them to stay by telling Miranda that she owes her because Lizzie let Miranda borrow a blue shirt and Miranda got deviled eggs on it. And then like threatening Gordo. Yeah, this is like blackmail a little bit. Um, yeah, if you don't play this game with me, I'll tell everyone what you did at Dakota Hamelfarb's 4th of July party with the mustard. Yeah, this sounds dirty. <laughs> like, what I don't that? know. I don't really know what that means. Like, what did he? What did he do with the mustard? That's so bad. We don't get answers, and this question will haunt me. And so they're going to play the game, and Lizzie, in her head, is basically like, "Thanks, Gammy McGuire, but next time, please send some cash." Cut to theme song or a coupon. <laughs> or a coupon. After the theme song, they're back, they're playing the game, and it's confusing to everybody except for Gordo. Yeah, it's even confusing to us. Yeah, and obviously Lizzie and Miranda have very short attention spans, as we've established in prior episodes. So after like 20 minutes, they're like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, and then Gordo says, you just don't want to play because I'm winning. I mean, that could also be true. That could be true. <laughs> but then Lizzie and Miranda decided that they have had enough And Gordo goes off with them as well. They stop playing the game. And as they leave, Matt enters and he needs a ride to the docks to check out some wharf rats. 
because he's studying wildlife for school. Yeah. A logical explanation. I don't... Do rats live on the wharf? Is that a place you would find rats? I have no idea. I only know subway rats. <laughs> you only know pizza rat? <laughs> I, I don't know. But regardless, Joe says that Matt can study wildlife right here at home. But Matt says that there is none because Sam sprayed all the fire ants, trapped all the mice, and tore down all the wasp nests. Yeah, it turns out Sam is on a dark path to becoming a serial killer. They say it starts with animals. Yeah, pest control, murderer. And we know that Sam has a creepy room under the house. So <laughs> I'm a little suspicious at this point. We also kind of get like a Hitchcockian moment at the end. We do. And the moment at the end was a moment that I thought was going to come into play much earlier because like eventually they're going to find a bird's nest and they get way too close. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that. The bird nest comes into play here where he says that there is a bird nest in the backyard and that's what Matt should study. More on that to come. Um, Then we are at school and Gordo can't go to the digital bean after school with Lizzie and Miranda because he is playing Dwarf Lord. Lizzie and Miranda laugh, but Gordo liked the game and he's going to play with a dwarf tribe on campus. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, Larry is head of the Dwarf Lord. I forget what it was called. The Dwarf sur- Tribe. The Dwarf Tribe. Yes. Thank you. A surprise return from Veruca. Yeah. I haven't seen her in a while, but she is also a member of the Dwarf Lord despite Gordo saying that this is more of a guy's game. Yeah, didn't love that. Yeah, he says that Lizzie and Miranda just don't understand it. The reason that Lizzie and Miranda don't understand it is not because it is a guy's game or a girl's game, because games do not have gender. It is because uh, they lack focus. Yeah, they're just not into it. It's not their thing. Yeah, but... It is pretty rude of Lizzie to deny Gordo of an interest that he has found when Lizzie herself has admitted, Maybe I should develop some interest. Like, how can she criticize Gordo for developing an interest when she herself is devoid of anything interesting? Yeah, and like Gordo developing an interest that doesn't directly benefit her in some way. This also, um, we talked a bit last week about the parallels between Gordo and Larry, and that just really came back into focus here for me. Yeah, they're two, they have been ships in the night (laughs) for this entire series thus far, and finally, finally, they seem to be on the same page. Except Larry throughout the episode keeps making these, like, I'm like, is he cursing them? Like, what is... It certainly seems that way, and you know what? They have some bad blood Exes, I get where Larry's coming from. Yeah. So Larry puts a curse on Lizzie and Miranda, and the dwarf tribe yells, huzzah. Did you say huzzah? Huzzah! (laughs) So then we are back at the McGuire house, another episode where Lizzie and her friends are at school, and Matt McGuire is not, never at school. He has to watch the wildlife. Um, Sam and Matt are sitting in the tree watching the bird nest. And as you say, they are way too close to that bird nest. Yeah. I mean, nature 101, never go near 
like <laughs> a young anything because the mom will not be that far away. Like you would think that, oh, go watch the bird nest means like grab some binoculars and like observe from a respectable distance. But no, they just climb that tree and just like sit themselves right on next to it. Yeah. And Matt's immediately looking to get out of this. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be in this tree. Joe comes out. She's got some snacks. And that's a perfect excuse for Matt to be like, see ya. Yeah, he pieces out. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I gotta get back to school. And then who arrives but plot twist, Edward Sanchez, Miranda's dad. Oh, so random. Like, <laughs> like what? Where did you come from? And then the, the interaction between Sam and Ed was so awkward. So weird. Like, apparently Sam owes Ed... Is his name Edward or Eduardo? Both, depending on who's <laughs> like, speaking what to is him, happening? Which is something that I love. Like, I legitimately didn't know if that was his, like, if his name was Eduardo, if that was just, like, kind of a racist thing that happened. Well, okay, because Joe calls him Edward, and then Sam calls him Eduardo, but then Mrs. Sanchez also calls him Eduardo. So <laughs> Joe McGuire just gets his name wrong. But they flip back and forth. It's very weird. And and Sam McGuire does not really seem to be a fan of Eduardo. I'm going to call him Eduardo because that's what his wife calls him. I didn't think it was that he wasn't a fan because then they have a sim, like when they're both up in the tree, they have a similar reaction to their wives. I feel like it's supposed to be more like he's so engrossed in what is essentially just eggs. Like yeah. he's literally just staring at eggs at this point. Yes. <laughs> that... Everything else, he kind of has blinders on for everything else. Oh, so a parallel to what then happens to Gordo, you could say? You could say that, yes. In 30 years, Gordo will have will be sitting in a tree, similar to Sam McGuire today. Edward. Oh, and plot twist, we know that Gordo had carrier pigeons. So he's Birds. he's on that trajectory. So yeah, Eduardo arrives with hedge trimmers to return to the McGuire's. That's his, I guess, purpose for being there. Then he climbs the tree, gets on up there with Sam, and they kind of start broing out and bonding, sharing snacks, yeah. sipping juice. Sipping juice. <laughs> um, and now Sam has a companion. This is so weird because like, like we've talked about how narrow the world of this show is. It's so crazy to me that like, 27 episodes in, this is the first time we're really seeing Lizzie and Miranda's parents interacting in any meaningful way. Well, and it just feels random. We went like 20 episodes without any parents, and now Miranda's parents are just showing up. But like very inconsistently. Yeah. It's it felt like a surprise. Were you surprised? I was shocked. <laughs> I was floored. I could not believe my eyes. All right, before we begin this talking about this next scene i would like to do one thing <laughs> this is a great way to have a conversation <laughs> sam could you imagine if both of us had a vacuum on if you had a vacuum on and i had a vacuum on and then we were talking on the phone to each other with the vacuum on wouldn't that be crazy would we be able to hear anything i don't think so i can barely hear you now <laughs> i know i hear like two feet away from each other. Don't you love this? Isn't this great? Such a conducive way to have a conversation. <laughs> it makes no sense. 
<laughs> All right, I can stop it now. <laughs> Sorry, I thought the best way to explain was just by doing, and the vacuum just happens to be right next to me. Yes, as a sound guy, Sam is up in arms that Lizzie and Miranda had a phone conversation. It's not even They're as a sound guy. Vacuuming. It's, yeah, it's just like. Just think about the logistics of talking to somebody on the phone while vacuuming, but then them also being on the phone <laughs> while vacuuming. Nightmare. It's also not even like a practical thing to do because they only have like the giant vacuums with the bags, but one of your hand or one of your hands is held holding the phone and you're vacuuming with one. It just it makes no sense. It yeah, it, it's like let's give them something to do. Vacuum. That's it. <laughs> And let's give the other one something to do. Vacuum. vacuum. That's it. <laughs> That's it. They'll both vacuum. Yeah, so they're vacuuming and they don't understand their English homework. That's why Lizzie calls Miranda. And so then, of course, they call Gordo. But their English homework is all about prepositions, which feels like a kind of simple concept. What could possibly, what could someone not understand about prepositions? Yeah, I don't know, like, because when Lizzie... In, on, with. <laughs> like, I don't... It's pretty simple what the preposition is. About. About, yeah. There are there also aren't that many prepositions. Yeah, it struck me when Lizzie called Gordo and literally said, hey, can you explain prepositions to me? Huzzah! <laughs> Plot twist, Gordo has friends at his house. He does. And he doesn't have time for prepositions. He's playing Dwarf Lord with his tribe. <laughs> with his dwarf tribe. Yeah. Um, at it's, this point, Lizzie says, are you playing that munchkin game again? Which, completely different world. <laughs> <laughs> Munchkins are distinctly Wizard of Oz, and this is clearly not. Yeah, get it right, Lizzie. Yeah. And calling them munchkins dwarves is just rude. They're munchkins. Yeah. But now... Gordo's dwarf tribe is getting kind of culty. It's not a cult. It's a fandom. The chanting, though, is kind of culty. Huzzah! <laughs> so, yeah, Gordo hangs up, and Lizzie and Miranda are still on the phone, and Lizzie expresses concern regarding this interest, and it's a red flag that Tudgeman is into it. Again, ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend... There's some bad blood here. I think there's something that we didn't see in the last episode, but they clearly had a fight somewhere. Yeah. It was presented to us as an amicable breakup, but they're acting way too host like way too hostily to each other. <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> Larry keeps cursing her. Larry's cursing her. Lizzie's trying to sabotage his club. Yeah. She like abducted his watchman at one point. <laughs> there's something going on here that we don't know about. There absolutely is. And Lizzie's worried about it. But Miranda isn't as concerned. She's kind of like, don't worry, he'll lose interest in it eventually. Yeah, she's more concerned about their dads, which fair. Like, instead of going to work, they're sitting in a tree staring at eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. So, you know. But yeah, this really sets up, like, and we have seen before Gordo's tendencies to have an obsessive personality, um, like back when he was studying for the science competition against Larry. He wasn't really sleeping then either. Except he did sleep. He just slept 
at the school. <laughs> yes, during the slow bicycle race. Yes. While com- while competing. But there was the scene before that also where he was making paper airplanes and, and then just he just fell asleep. woke up in school the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Which reminds me again of a scene we watched in the OC where they get trapped in the mall and then they're like, oh, we'll just stay at the <laughs> mall. <laughs> oh, wild show. Sorry, bringing it back. Bringing, bringing it, it back. back. So Gordo rapidly devolves into this world. The next day at school, he says that he can't study with Lizzie and Miranda after he has plans and he is just very involved in this game, in the people who play this game. They refer to each other as their dwarf names, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> Princess Candlewick. Is Veruca. <laughs> and then later on at lunch, we see him so fixated on this dwarf lord like guidebook. And when... Lizzie finally pulls it down away from his face. He has these like giant raccoon dark circles that were not there like two hours ago. Yeah, he got tired real fast. Real fast. But and and when Lizzie and Miranda try to talk to him about it, he tells them, Quit being a nagworm. Quit being a nagworm. <laughs> a nagworm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really quick devolution for Gordo. And they try to present him as like an addict. Yeah. But for Dwarf Lord... Because it doesn't take long for him to be, like, begging for money that he just ends up peddling and then spending on Dwarf Lord cards. Yeah, he tells Lizzie that he needs lunch money because he spent all of his on Dwarf Lord cards. And then he uses Lizzie's money just to buy more Dwarf Lord cards. And Miranda's, like, watching him from around the corner. (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't love the optics of... So they set up this scene as almost like... Like you said, he's an addict and it's like a like a drug dealer type. Like he like he's going to his dealer to get cards and the dwarf lord card dealer is a black boy. Yeah, that's not a great look. Not good. Yeah. So so far the black boy rep on Lizzie McGuire is a character that is silenced and that's like his quirky quality and a dwarf lord dealer. You know, eventually we're gonna learn that Lanny also had <laughs> Sort of an addiction to Dwarf Lord as well. Yeah, we do. So wouldn't the more interesting story have included Lanny in some sense? I would agree with that. Where was Lanny? Where is Lanny? Why are we just hearing about this through Matt McGuire? But yeah, Miranda witnesses the exchange. And then we cut to, this is all still the same day of school, but new scene. They got their results for a quiz Lizzie and Miranda both got B pluses. Miranda's wrong answer was something really particularly Oh yeah. Apparently absurd. she didn't know where the English channel was. It's next to England. <laughs> so I don't really understand how she got that wrong. Also, she was wearing a Union Jack wristband. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. <laughs> Later in the episode. So I... the fact that she didn't know where the English channel was is especially mind-blowing, given that context. That's funny. But yeah, she said she thought it was next to ESPN, which is kind of like a really bad dad joke, but she said it with full sincerity, which just made it sad. Yeah, and Gordo, you know, he says, oh, oh, I got an A, but that's a lie. And we learned this when his dwarf lord friends call him over and they don't say, hey, Gordo. They say Glimmerfo because that is his name now. Yes, very alliterative. And plot twist, 
Gordo got a straight F. I couldn't stink so bad without you. And now we know that things are serious, right? Because if there's anything that Gordo cares about, it's grades. Many of the most successful people never went to college. So this could be Gordo beginning to find his true calling until Lizzie brings him back. (laughs) Yeah, from the dark side. (laughs) Yeah. So then we cut back to Lizzie's house. It's after school and Gordo comes over. The only way that Lizzie and Miranda are able to get Gordo to come over is to tell him that they want to play Dwarf Lord and can he teach them. But that's not the case. We lied. <laughs> There's a, yeah. There's a simple explanation for that. We lied. And Lizzie's like, yeah, just like you've been lying about your grades and what you're doing with your lunch money. Oh, I mean my lunch money. Yeah, I thought that this would be the point where they would have the intervention because it's like, why would they call him over if not to have the intervention? But this turns out to be a rejected intervention. So it's like they want to have an intervention, but they haven't done any of the legwork. So yeah, they weren't they prepared. To, now they need to have a second intervention. They weren't prepared this for this. This episode could have been like 10 minutes shorter. It's true. They had only put in the work. <laughs> but B-plus lucky. work. <laughs> the B- <laughs> <laughs> Gordo assures them that Dwarf Lord is not taking over his life and he could stop at any time. He just doesn't want to. And Lizzie wants Gordo to go back to normal. And I feel like normal is a word that is severely like overused in this series. Yeah. What is normal? What is normal? It bother. It like bothers me every time I hear it. Yeah. She can't go out with Larry because he's not normal. They wanted Lizzie to go back to normal when she had her bad girl phase. Yeah. They want Lizzie to go back to normal. When Lizzie becomes a model, she just wants things to go back to normal. Yeah. Like anytime anything remotely interesting or complex (laughs) happens, they're like, stop it. Go back to normal. Just boring vanilla. You're so right. If you envision Lizzie McGuire as a white wall and then a painter came up to it and was like, you know what? I have a great idea for this wall. And then they started to paint. Immediately, Lizzie would be like, no, (laughs) paint it white. Make it normal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're so right. It's just so... Yeah, because it's like, what does that even mean? I feel like a more interesting story would have been a way for Gordo to really embrace his interest. And then Lizzie and Miranda could be like, you've changed a little bit, but you're still the Gordo that we know. And you can be interested in this and you can still be friends with us. And you can be more than one thing. Yes. Shocker. <laughs> that would be an important episode. You yeah. can be more than one thing. You can be more than one thing. Yes, Sam McGuire, you can be more than one thing. I think you need to recycle your attitude, young lady. Well, Instead, everything just needs to go back to normal. You need to be the same person forever. Well, I think like a lot of media perpetuates this too, right? This isn't exclusive to Lizzie McGuire, where That's like true. each character has a thing and that is their thing, or You see this a lot in like the sort of middle grade content where like you don't know what your thing is yet and there will be like an entire episode of a character being like, what is my thing? I need to find my thing. But you can have more than one thing. Your thing can change. People contain multitudes, you know? They do. But yeah, I think that I also agree that that would be a much more interesting episode, but that isn't what we have to work with. It is um, not. But lucky for Lizzie and Miranda, who were not prepared for this intervention, Matt is just kind of like chilling in the background during this entire scene. Yeah. Listening to a Walkman, <laughs> I guess, but actually... Forget the animal project. Over it. <laughs> yeah. And we learn that 
Matt McGuire has been through this before. Yeah, he, he can speak from experience on this matter. Yeah, let's let's play the clip. Man, that's one bad Dwarf Lord Jones. What do you know about it? It's a cool game, but it can take you down a bad road. Last year, Lenny was seriously on the dwarf. Spent all his money on collector's cards, talked nonstop about his characters. That Dwarf Lord is bad medicine. I just hope you can get over it. You can hope, and you can hope a grizzly bear doesn't eat you if you rub yourself with bacon. Gordo's a dwarf head. He needs help. So will you help him? It won't be easy. It'll be intense. It'll be ugly. But Gordo helped me that time I got my head stuck in the banister. I owe him one. What a monologue. I really like the music in that scene. I think it's an understated thing, but it starts off like he's telling a story in like a saloon. And then it really builds. And then, yeah, it really starts to build like he's giving this epic, like inspirational speech. I, for one, would love to see Lanny talk nonstop about anything. So was it bad medicine? Uh, It must have been if he was talking nonstop about it. I love the line, you can hope a grizzly bear doesn't eat you if you rub yourself with bacon. (laughs) It's also interesting because right after we sort of really dove into how, you know, isolated from each other these episodes are, this is really, I think, the first episode that references previous episodes. Like, we saw that episode when Matt got his head stuck in the banister. Gordo did help him out. We know that to be true. And we're going to see the intervention video in a little bit. Yeah. Which is all clips from, well, not all clips, but many clips from previous episodes as well. Yeah. So that's just, it's it's interesting that 27 episodes and we got a reference. Lizzie and Matt have really been allies these past couple episodes. I know. I love to see it. Yeah. They haven't really been fighting. They've really been on the same team. It works better for me when they're working together. I love it. One thing. You would think that Miranda would know all about setting up an intervention because she was there when Gordo set up Lizzie's intervention. So it's like, (laughs) why can't she take the lead on this one? You know what I think. It's because Miranda does not exist. You're absolutely right. Miranda has been through this before. She should (laughs) know what to do. This exact situation. But anyways, Matt knows what to do. He's going to get this under control. He's going to help Gordo out like Gordo helped him out. Yeah, we have to cut to some crazy adults now. Yes, we do. Because now Sam and Mr. Sanchez are still in the tree. Did they ever come down from the tree? It's a different day, right? I think time they is mu- passing. Yeah, I think it is a different day. They've been up in the tree for four hours, for four which hours. is a long time to sit in any one place, but especially a tree branch. I know. Wouldn't that hurt? It would definitely hurt. It's like, okay, they go home to sleep. But I- then next day we're back in the tree. We don't work. We just sit in a tree. And Mrs. Sanchez is not happy. And she comes over and she demands that Mr. Sanchez come home and clean the rain gutters. And he does not want to. We get some elementary school Spanish here too. We do. We get the sort of Spanish. It's like Spanish for white people. Vamanos. Tore the Explorer Spanish. And then Mr. Sanchez going, no quiero. And then Sam McGuire going, just give us our potato chips. (laughs) Yeah, because Joe says Sam should come down too. And he's like, no, I don't want to. 
Just give us our potato chips. No girls allowed. No girls allowed. <laughs> That's like so a direct weird. line. I didn't even paraphrase that. That is a direct line. I, I'm. Is this what Disney Channel wants kids to think that parents do when they're not around? Maybe. <laughs> it's very weird. They it, should all be at work. They just have gender-based clubs and yell about potato chips in broken Spanish. Not broken Spanish. Elementary Spanish. In elementary Spanish, yes. Yeah. So then we cut back to the Lizzie A plot. And I was confused about some things because why are they, they seem to be at school after hours for Dorfford. Yeah, I guess they just never left. And like the hallways were dark. There were so many questions I had about this scene. So that's obviously issue number one. Issue number two, apparently there's a member of the Dwarf Lord of the Dwarf tribe who doesn't get to play, but instead has to stand outside of the classroom. Just like guard the door. <laughs> and just make sure that like nobody comes. It's It seems like kind of hazing. And if that is the case, why wouldn't Gordo as the newest member of the Dwarf tribe have this duty? Did this kid look a bit younger? Than the, the rest of I, them? I thought he did look a little bit younger. But yeah, inside the classroom, Larry's like giving this really elaborate speech. Veruca is making this really steamy drink. <laughs> and Matt has a plan. It's for Miranda to flirt and distract. Yeah. We get to see what a flirt Miranda is. <laughs> um, with some, dare I say, slinky music. Some slinky music. So yeah, she... Flirts with this child guard whose character is half elf, half badger. (laughs) How? How can you be half elf, half badger? That is so weird. I don't know if we can harp on that for too long. This is a PG podcast. (laughs) Do you think the dad is the badger and the mom is the elf or vice versa? I don't know. I don't want to (laughs) know. So Miranda gets Mr. Elvin Badger to escort her to the water fountain. Yes, the bubbler, the as, bubbler. as some say. Except then, out of nowhere, they like abduct him. Yeah, super creepy. Like they're a- gonna not only they're gonna abduct two people tonight. They are, <laughs> and yeah, so they abduct this kid. They drag him into Jander's closet and they steal his costume. So now Lizzie and Miranda are both in the costume, now guarding the door. Important to note that Matt says that that beverage is a very strong iced tea. Don't worry, like basically it'll do its magic in no time. Yeah, he knows all about Gordo's weak prostate. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a stroke of luck because what if there was no tea? They're just going to wait indefinitely for Gordo to come out alone. Yeah, flawed plan, flawed, as always. Can we, dare I say... Plot fla- hole? <laughs> plot hole? I think we can. This is the same logic that happened, again, during the Night of the Day of the Dead episode, where it's like, oh, this conveniently worked out for your plan. There's no way you could have planned this. Totally. Unless this is legitimately part of the game, which I guess Matt would know because Lanny would have known and then it would become a that, but I doubt it. That would require a lot to happen. (laughs) Yeah, that would be like 15 steps ahead. But um, eventually Gordo does come out and this is the perfect opportunity to shove him into a trash can. Yes, they now abduct Gordo. Yes, as you said, put him into a trash can, roll him down the hall, down a flight of stairs. And then we cut to him tied to a chair. So Matt starts ripping the wires off his arm. They've been taped onto his arm. And this led to my favorite line of the entire episode. 
This is aversion therapy. <laughs> Actually, because that's not even the full. That's not even the full clip. I wonder. Can we just play it? Yeah, we play it. Can we just play it. It's so good. It's short. Yeah, you're right. What are you doing to me? We're helping you. How is this helping me? Dwarf Lord. Dwarf Lord. Dwarf Lord. Ow. This is aversion therapy. The thing you like causes you pain. Therefore, you don't like it anymore. What are the wires for? Well, the wires are for absolutely nothing. They just look pretty cool. Well, if you don't cut this out, I'm gonna cause you pain. Okay, moving on to the next step. Ow! I just wanted to do one, it looked fun. <laughs> this is incredible. This is aversion therapy. Dwarf Lord. <laughs> Matt knows his stuff. I'm very impressed that a 10-year-old knows about aversion, about aversion therapy. therapy. Yeah, he's <laughs> he knows all about psychology. He's read all about Pavlov, about conditioned responses. I'm really impressed. Yeah, I mean, pain does things to people. And then the next step, as we are about to go into, is the true intervention. Yes, which will be done via... A combination of a pre-filmed video and also still still images that Lizzie's printed out on like eight and a half by 11 paper. Yes. But first we have to talk about Alvin. Ah, yes. Sorry. There's an example of somebody who has gone down this path before and his name is Alvin, St Alvin Steck. Yes. He is a 36-year-old man who lives in his mother's basement. His entire life is dwarf lord. Yes, regional dwarf lord champion. He works part-time in a barber shop, sweeping up hair. <laughs> not a job, I can confirm. Like, the barbers sweep up after themselves. There's not, like, a janitor for the barber yes. shop. He doesn't date. Basically, without saying it directly, they're like, this guy's a loser. And Gordo, this could be you. Yeah, and they're like, do you want to miss out? And then that's when we get the video. And what a video we get. It's weird. It's like when people would like show you videos of like really fast images to try to like hypnotize you. Yeah, it starts it starts like slow and starts speeding up. Our cameras just following our, these children around. Like yeah. where did they get this footage? Yeah, this is this is I don't like this. In the same way that I didn't like Larry breaking the fourth wall in the last episode, this is in the same kind of vicinity for me. Is this the office where there's a camera crew following them around and we're aware of it? Like, how did they get this footage? This third person footage of themselves? Yeah, producer interference. <laughs> there's like, it makes sense for some of the clips, right? Like, like the Aaron Carter thing. Okay, that was probably. Yeah. And for me, it's like the ones where it's the three of them together. Yeah, it's like them at the school dance. Yeah, like at that Rat Pack dance. Yeah. Like who's filming that? Who's filming that? Gordo's film stuff has kind of fallen to the wayside also because, like, there could be this argument that, like, if he was this character who, like, carried a camera around with him, sure. But, like, he doesn't really do that. But the thing about the first intervention video was that it was a Gordo production. Right. And it was, like, it lived within the world of Lizzie McGuire. And this one is, like, it takes place in our world, like the world of the viewer. Yeah, it, take, it, it takes all the footage that we have seen in the show. Which just makes no sense. No. And then, here's my other thing about it. At the end, 
it starts showing these quick clips in rapid succession. So it's Wavy Fries, which we've established is a terrible incentive. It's Lizzie trying out for the cheerleading team, Gordo wearing his Elvis suit, and I want to say Gordo doing something else Rat Pack related, but like, why is Lizzie in this montage, in this like sequence of clips that are supposed to bring Gordo back to normal? That was so weird. (laughs) There's some real like deep psychoanalysis to do here that I don't really feel like getting into. All right. Theory. Lizzie said earlier in the episode that she wants to pass a law that would force Ethan Kraft to fall in love with her. Is she testing out this methodology on Gordo where if she just shows him images of herself in succession, he will fall in love with her as a test run for Ethan Kraft? Maybe. Is this Lizzie's supervillain origin story? I think so. Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. That is a theory. Yeah, that was the weirdest part of that whole thing for me is just like, because at least all the other clips are either focused on like the three of them or Gordo. And then there's just like Lizzie cheerleading. Lizzie alone, alone at cheerleading practice. Yeah. It's, it's it like makes no one sense. One of these things does not belong. It's this clip with Lizzie yeah. at cheerleading yeah. practice. But for whatever reason, this tactic works. It's been 20 minutes. It has to work. Correct. <laughs> um, Gordo snaps out of it and he's like, give me French fries. And Lizzie just starts like shoving the, the wavy fries into Gordo's mouth. Okay. These have to be some really cold, soggy French fries because they've waited so long to get him out of the room. Yeah, they're probably disgusting. It's after hours at school. These fries have to be so gross. Gordo doesn't care. But yeah, he has snapped out of it. Wait, you didn't talk into the microphone. But yeah, he has snapped out of it. Yeah, and then Matt says, the crisis has passed. My work here is done. (laughs) Then we are back at the McGuire house. Gordo is back and he's still obsessed with stuff, but good stuff now, like sports and junk food and helping Lizzie with her homework. Yeah, back to normal, as we say. Back to anything that serves Lizzie. But one thing that has changed is he now has a physical reaction anytime someone says the word Dwarf Lord. (laughs) Yeah, aversion therapy. Aversion therapy. Oh my God. This is aversion therapy. And then we get our concluding scene back to the birds. And big moment, the eggs are hatching. They're very excited. Nature is a miracle. They're fathers. The kids are all very, like, whatever about it. They're ready to go to the mall. And then here's something. So they identify that the birds are crows because the babies have black feathers, but aren't, like, when a bird is born... Does it have feathers? I don't know. Aren't they like really like... Yeah, they look gross. Yeah. (laughs) Like baby birds. (laughs) No offense to anybody who like loves birds, but like a newborn bird is kind of scary. Yeah. And then Lizzie McGuire turns into a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. The mother crow appears and (laughs) just, I guess... Takes out... Takes them both out of the tree. Yeah, they fall to the ground. But then there's so many feathers on the ground. It's like, did they take the crow down with them? (laughs) Like, where did all of these feathers come from? Really unclear if they attacked back. And then Matt comes out, and here's the craziest thing. I think I had this this exact shirt that Matt is wearing. It's like a green shirt with like a dirt bike on it, or like a quad. And I think I had that shirt. (laughs) That is crazy. And I feel like I need to text my mom 
to like verify, like, did I have this shirt? I'm pretty sure I had this exact shirt. I would love to know the truth behind the story of this shirt. Yeah, I'll text my mom and then I guess tweet about it. (laughs) But yeah, Matt comes out and have no fear. His next project is first aid. End of episode. Boom. End of episode. I can relate to Gordo in this episode because I also get sucked into games. Games are fun. Like, for example, we did a semester in England and we played Mafia so much on that trip. And we got so deep into the strategy of the game Mafia. And you know what? It's just something that happens. And people get hyper-focused on things. You know, it's just a phase, but you don't need to aversion therapy them to, <laughs> to get your point across. No, I think Lizzie McGuire has an aversion to passionate people. <laughs> Including herself. If she feels herself getting too passionate, she's like, whoa, hold on there. Go back to normal. Back to normal. Back to normal. Yeah, I relate too. I definitely also have gone through my own phases through life. I mean, one could have called Lizzie McGuire itself a previous obsession of mine. Very true. She, dare I say, has an obsession with Ethan Kraft. She does. She's very <laughs> thirsty in this episode. Yeah. She's going to take over the world just so she can, why don't you just interact with him normally? And like Ethan Kraft does not have enough screen time to justify this either. I feel like 27 episodes, he's been in maybe, what, maybe like eight of them? Yeah, I was going to say a third. Okay, time to segue into some outfits. Yeah, so first episodes I've taken right from the beginning. There are some really interesting looks in this episode, but we're going to start off with Miranda. What did she put in her hair that just makes it look like she's wearing just a pink pom-pom? Is it not just hair? I don't think that's hair. I think it's something that she put in there. Yeah, but it could be fake hair. You think it's fake hair? I don't know. I definitely had that rainbow belt that she's wearing. Did you? Yeah. Is Lizzie wearing a do-rag? I was just going to say that myself. I think she is. I don't like it. It looks like they've kind of, at least Lizzie and Miranda, like they were painted, like graffitied onto a wall, but then they walked off it and then they were just, they were just there. That's a really good description. Yeah. And then Gordo was just there being his normal, his quote unquote normal self. Yeah. Nothing to say about Gordo. Let's see what we have next. Gotta talk some dwarf tribe. Yeah. Talk about it. So for Larry and Veruca, it's kind of like a cape situation, or I guess maybe like a cloak situation, but pretty like brown cloak, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of Lord of the Rings. There's a kid in the back kind of dressed like a knight. There's a kid to the side who's holding a shield. There's varying levels, I think, of enthusiasm for the club within this tribe. Larry's wearing a shirt over his shirt. Did Larry just repurpose Lizzie's uh, burlap shirt? No, this is different. (laughs) And yeah, they wear these costumes for pretty much the entire episode. And this seems like a new development, right? Because when we previously saw Veruca, she did not have on a cloak. True. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I appreciate the commitment. The next outfit is of the kid who gives Gordo his card that Gordo spends Lizzie's lunch money on. And it's a shirt that says, my parents visited the realm of the Dwarf Lord and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. You know, I appreciate the humor there. I do too. Yeah, it's a good one. Now let's talk about... Camo Lizzie. Camo Lizzie and biker Miranda. Yeah. (laughs) She's head to toe, Camo. Well, no, I think it's Camo on top, but then like black leather pants on bottom. Oh yeah, and it looks like there's like 
almost like a netting or something over the pants. Yeah. And then Miranda has gone like tank top. She looks very School of Rock. She looks School of Rock. And as I mentioned before, here's the Union Jack wristband. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got your tank top with a flaming heart. A, f- a visor that also just has flames. It's fiery. <laughs> Some chains hanging off of the shoulders. Yeah. Miranda and Lizzie in this episode just kind of really went all out with their outfits. They did. Yeah. And Gordo just, despite the fact that they say that Gordo has changed, he's pretty much wearing the same kind of clothes that he always wears throughout this whole episode. But you know what? This biker look works. It's what gets this kid away from the door. He's into it. Yeah, he is. Is that really it? I think that's it. I mean, the only other outfit that I had noted was this shirt that I think that I owned. Yeah, we need some evidence. I real. I want to see. Know. I didn't take a lot of pictures as a child, so I don't know if there would be a picture of me in this shirt. But I'm so so sure that I've seen this shirt before on myself, <laughs> on my own body. <laughs> on my yeah, on my own body. It's so weird. This is such an out of body experience, honestly. <laughs> Well, let's get the tea. Let's get the deets. At last, it's time to name our MVPs. And you already jumped the gun on that, so let's let's get into it. Gammy McGuire. Yeah, Gammy McGuire is my MVP. It's not even close for me. Um, this whole episode comes about because Gammy McGuire sends a gift, and Gammy McGuire sends one could say the best gift because it gave us half an hour's worth of content. So, I mean. Was this episode a gift, though? Was the episode itself a gift? No. But I just think that if we're ordering the characters in order of, like, who was most consequential to the events that happened within the episode, I don't know how you can argue against Gammy Maguire. Like, this episode entirely happens because of Gammy Maguire. I think that that's fair. I think that that's a good job, Gammy Maguire, getting that MVP. And I I felt bad. I felt like there's been an imbalance... For the past over 20 episodes because I gave an MVP to Nana and Gammy McGuire had none. And so this just kind of tips the scale back and makes it even. Because <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to favor one grandmother over the other grandmother. So having them both at one MVP just feels right to me. This was Gammy McGuire's time to shine. Marissa, who is your MVP? My MVP is a character who really took charge really had nothing to gain from this endeavor. It was just that he cared about a friend and he got the job done and he had the best quotes. And my MVP is none other than Matt McGuire. I mean, that's also a good choice. And Matt would have been my second choice, also for the reason that we had the same shirt. Yeah, Matt McGuire is consistently killing it. He's had a good run. He has, yeah. Um, This actually makes him tied with Lizzie for the most MVPs. Oh, man. Which is very interesting to me. Especially as we are approaching, you know, the midpoint of our rewatch. Yeah, it's really quite a neck-and-neck race. Between Lizzie and Matt. Between Lizzie and Matt. And then Miranda is next with eight. So she's like, she's not even really close. Matt was a champ in this episode. Aversion therapy is an impressive, it's impressive that he knew what aversion therapy was and how to execute it. And 
<laughs> I mean, we should know that um, he is familiar with aversion therapy because he turned off Sam and Joe to music. <laughs> yeah. I just think he really, um, like I said, he inserted himself into a situation he did not need to, and he took charge, and I loved it. Even though Miranda should have taken charge, if we really think about it. Yeah. Cool. But that is that. That is episode 127, Gordo and the Dwarves. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Email us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. This episode, along with all of the other episodes that we have recorded, are on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. That's where we'll upload photos of the outfits we talked about today as well, including the shirt that I think I owned. Yeah, and be sure to tune in next week when we talk about episode 128, Lizzie and Kate's Excellent Adventure. (laughs) It's just like a Bill and Ted parody. I can't wait. Are we going to see Keanu Reeves? (laughs) (laughs) If Keanu Reeves showed up, that would be my favorite thing. That'd be crazy. I would love that. (laughs) 